This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards. If you're looking to unload your collection and maybe turn some of that old cardboard into cash, Greg Morris can help. Greg's always buying collections of vintage basketball, baseball, football, or hockey cards. If you have modern or ultra-modern graded cards, he'll buy those as well. On top of all that, Greg takes cards on consignment. Go to gregmorriscards.com to sell them your cards, or you can email joe at gregmorriscards.com directly. What's up, everyone? This is episode 160 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. Well, um, you might have seen me announce this on social media already this week, but um, the show recently hit a couple of big milestones. And normally, I don't like to talk too much about numbers, but you guys played a big part in all this, a huge part in all this, so I want you to know about it, and more importantly, I want to thank you. Um, First off, the show hit the 200,000 download mark, and I never really set out with a specific number in mind, but um, that was kind of shocking for me to see, so that was fun. And then the second thing is that this past week marked the three-year anniversary of the show. And I want you all to know that I I certainly wouldn't have gotten here without all of the people that downloaded or came on the show, the people that commented, the people that shared posts, the people that have sent me nice gifts for my PC, and so on and so on. So please know that I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Here's to, who knows, 200,000 more, right? Well, in addition to the show's birthday, there's something much more important that takes place in March in the basketball world. And that is, of course, March Madness. I've said it on here before. I don't watch a lot of college basketball outside of my Hoosiers. But seeing as the Pacers should end up with a top five or maybe sixth or seventh, hopefully no later than that, pick in the upcoming draft, I'm trying to pay a little attention to the top prospects. Guys like Chet and Jabari Smith and Paolo and Jaden Ivey. Uh, Now, the Pacers, I know they'd probably have to make a move if they want to get one of those four. But, um, you know... I'm trying to be hopeful. Either way, um, you know, I'm not all that excited about Chet, and I think Ivy would be a little redundant in Indiana. The other two, though, especially Paolo, I would love to see one of them paired with Halliburton. Now, um, I'm getting all hopeful and optimistic, and and I should know better than that. So, um, speaking of March Madness and getting my hopes up and knowing better, can we talk about Panini for a moment? I don't know if you've seen it, but Topps is making cards of current college players under the new NIL rules. And no, you know, it's not PAX. Um, It's part of their online platform. Um, I've talked a little about those rules before, but they don't have any team logos or anything because they don't have the license for that. Well, guess who does have that license? Panini. And it got me thinking, you know, a current college set during March Madness would sure be a lot of fun. Um... You know, I know that would require a lot of planning. There's a you know a lot of time that goes between um, you know thinking about a product and it actually taking place. But they've they've known who the top college prospects are for you know a, a year or so now. Um, and yes, Panini is doing Panini instant cards, but I'm talking a, a real March Madness set 
with real packs. You know, I, I think we're at the point where we could make that happen now. Um, instead, we're still waiting on the 2021 Prism draft set. You know, the set you buy before hoops comes out because you're desperate for cards. Um, you know, you know it's garbage, but you just want to rip something. And then when the pro sets come out, it's it's instantly worthless. Um, yeah, we still don't have that set. Um, and here I thought they might actually ramp up the college sets because they were losing the pro license. They just legitimately don't care about basketball. That's the impression that I get. You know, it's a sport that's been their cash cow for a while now, especially these last few years. I know they've lost the license for the future, but Fanatics isn't taking over until 2026. We've got four more years of this. And before Tops got scooped up, I'd heard rumblings that they were just going to run baseball into the ground on the way out. I'm wondering if that's not what we're going to see here. Um, I'm trying not to be super negative about this. I don't want to yell at the clouds for four years, but I can't think of a time where I was more disappointed about the current state of basketball cards. And while I welcome the change in regime, I'm, I'm not sure Fanatics is going to be a lot better. Um, in the meantime, though, it doesn't mean I don't enjoy the cards or cards in general. You guys know I find plenty of ways to do that, but I'd like to buy fun new cards for current players. I can only buy so many Danny Granger and, and Reggie Miller cards. Just kidding. I need more of them. But you get what I'm saying. This whole lame duck period sucks. But I, I guess we can't control it, and it is what it is. Um, you know what else sucks? This is something that you can control. Cutting one of the Ball brothers. And I'm not talking about Lonzo or LaMelo. Lucky for you, this week's episode is brought to you in part by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, who recently launched the Performance Package 4.0, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Uh, and this thing is no joke. As part of this package, you'll get the Lawnmower 4.0, you get the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer, which serves up a uh, Mosier level of precision, you get the Crop Preserver Below the Waist Deodorant, which might be a good idea before your next card show, and you get the Crop Reviver Below the Waist Toner. On top of that, you get two free gifts, a pair of Manscaped boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag. And I've said it before, they sent me one of these performance packages and we're on a trial run for the next few weeks. If you want to hear more of these spots and take care of yourself at the same time, go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code WAX, that's W-A-X, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code WAX. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. The only trimmer endorsed by the wax museum podcast all right on to the mail it's been a couple weeks since i've talked about mail so i had to be kind of selective here if you like seeing me open ebay lots a couple of those videos are coming to youtube soon if they're not already there including a lot of 2013 prism where i went Giannis hunting i think i got that for like 15 dollars shipped which is less than the price of the blaster and probably a lot more fun but um, you know, you can see that on there enough about lots. Let's move on to the singles. The first card I want to talk about today is a 2001-2002 Fleer EX Credentials Future of Jonathan Bender, number 2456. I've talked about credential sets before. Most of them used a mirrored numbering system that's similar to what you might see now in Status or Elite with the Status and Aspirations parallels. When it comes to credentials, the two parallels were called Now and Futures, so this Bender is the future version, and the now version is numbered to 15 for him. So from what I've seen, at least in this year, the parallels added up to 71. And I can't tell you why. 
Seems like an arbitrary number to me. Uh, maybe there's something obvious I'm missing here. Let me know if I've overlooked something. But as far as credentials go, 2001, you know, has been one of the lesser desired sets. It's not that it's a bad looking set necessarily, but it it's not like the other ones, or at least not like a lot of the other ones where they use the acetate surface and the neon colors and all that kind of stuff. Um, the background of the card has a more of a matte finish, and then the player itself is a little glossy. I don't know the technical term for it, but a lot of the card feels, um, I'd call it papery. And as a result, some of the copies I've owned were kind of dinged up on the sides. This one, though, is in really good shape, which is a nice little bonus. Uh, this card was listed on eBay for 25 bucks, shipped a number of times. And I remember it because the seller kept putting Kobe jersey number in the title, even though Kobe has nothing to do with the card. It's actually, it is Jonathan Bender's jersey number. Um... I talked about this card with a few friends over time, and um, you know, it was one I didn't think was worth $25, but one I still wouldn't mind owning if the price was right, because I like having samples of cards from different years, and, and this seemed like a good Pacer sample for 01 credentials. Well, not long after I had one of these conversations with uh, Mercer Cards on Instagram, I found a particular card he was looking for online and helped him coordinate the purchase before I knew it, he sent $20 PayPal my way as a thank you and suggested, he said, now go get you that bender, which I gladly did. So as you guys know, it's always nice when a card has a good story to go along with it. I love a good story. And thanks again to Eric for making that happen. If you have any rare Ron Mercer cards, make sure you seek him out now. I know he's looked high and low, but there's always more to find. There's always that person out there that maybe has one tucked away. They didn't know anyone was looking for it. Um, and then if you're interested in seeing that bender, keep an eye out on my social media. I'll try and make sure it gets up on there. Okay, next up, uh, this card doesn't have much of a story to go with it, at least not compared to the bender, but it's a card I'm, I'm very happy to own nonetheless. I bought and received a 2012-2013 Immaculate Nameplate Nobility letter of Roy Hibbert, and it's the letter I. Uh, this one showed up on eBay priced a little high, so I tried to wait it out. It eventually got relisted a little lower, although still kind of high. I kept looking at it over the course of the week, and maybe you guys know the feeling. got a little FOMO, because this kind of stuff doesn't show up often. So I went ahead and put a bid in. I pulled the trigger, and it came from overseas, so the shipping was a little expensive. But you know what? It's here. It took a while. It was expensive. It's here. I have quite a few nameplate cards, but this is my only one from 2012 Immaculate. I used to have a Maurice Cheeks from the same set, but I traded it for a Fred Jones letter. Um, and even though I'd like to have that Cheeks back, I don't regret that one bit. That's just something you have to do sometimes as a team collector. Okay, from one Pacers big man to another, the last card I want to talk about is a Donruss Jersey Kings patch of Miles Turner numbered to 10. And I don't typically go for Donruss patches because they're usually pretty small and pretty plain. But Panini's entering into this memorabilia dump phase of their run, so it's hard telling what's going to show up from here on out. Uh, in fact, this card has a piece of the Motorola logo from a Hickory uniform in it, which is something I don't think I'm going to see again. That's the kind of stuff that appeals to me. And I actually missed this in my original patch search. I guess I just saw a new Donruss patch of Turner and glossed right over it, assuming it would be trim or, or very similar to something I had purchased before. And it's funny because later that day, someone tweeted about sponsor patches coming to baseball, and I replied, people said this would be horrible for NBA jerseys, and people got used to it. 
I'm still seeking out my first Pacers Motorola patch. I kind of like it. Well, my good friend Steve, a.k.a. Vintage Pacers, saw that tweet and sent the Donruss listing to me shortly after. And he said something along the lines of, isn't this a Hickory Motorola patch? To which I did a double take because I remembered glossing over the listing but completely missed the patch piece. Um, You guys might remember I've had Steve on the show before and we talked about how we kind of divvy up Pacers listings. I asked him if he was okay with me making an offer on it. Um, And he cited my tweet from earlier in the day. So thank you, Steve, for that. So that's what I did. I ended up getting the card. Um, It was after that that I went into full-on research mode because I knew the Pacers had, you know, only been wearing Motorola patches for a couple years, and I knew they only wore Hickory jerseys on a specific number of dates, too. So here's the breakdown of what I found. The Pacers announced that sponsorship with Motorola on December 18, 2018. Their Hickory jerseys that season were... I don't know what you want to call it, red or burgundy, and the patches were white. Uh, The next season, the Hickory jerseys were white with the maroon or the burgundy sponsor patch. So that means Miles wore this patch sometime between December 18th and April 21st, which is a pretty small window. So I went on Basketball Reference and I pulled up Miles' game log from that season and I copy and pasted it into Excel. From there, I went on Getty Images and looked at pictures from every game in that five-month time frame that he played in. If they didn't wear the Hickory jerseys that game, I removed it from the spreadsheet. Well, that narrowed it down to four games, all from 2019. There was January 1st against the Mavs, February 7th against the Clippers, March 10th against the Sixers, and April 7th against the Nets. Um, and I've been tracking the other Miles Hickory patches over time, but all this Nike stuff seems like it's It's like the patches are actually pressed on, and it's so cookie cutter. So you never really see any loose threads. It's going to be really hard to photo match stuff in the future. Um, So I doubt I'll be able to narrow it down anymore from there, but I got it to four, so that's pretty cool. I might even make a video about that process if I have the time, which is a big if, but um, we'll see. Anyway, keep an eye out on social media. I'll try and get that one posted up. Hey, guys. My name is Artie. I go by ArtieMan underscore 60 on Instagram. Big time Keith Van Horn collector, looking for anything serial numbered, game used, autographed, uh, big base lots if you have them. Uh, currently working on the 2020 in the name used Letterman set. Could really use some help getting my hands on the V. Thank you and collect hard. If you haven't seen Artie's Keith Van Horn collection, stop whatever you're doing. Pull that up on Instagram right now because it's insane. I know he recently posted this Leaf nameplate he's been working on, uh, and Rick Smith's is in that set too, and I've only seen three of the Smith's letters show up, and I own two of them. Well, uh, Van Horn has more letters than that, and I actually got one of those in one of the few group breaks that I have entered in in the last couple years. I was hunting for Smith's. I bought some other players as well, so I got Keith Van Horn. Um, so yes, that you know, of course made its way to him. Well, now he's managed to track down everything but the letter V, which, you know, is the most important one. That's the first one. Finding them is one thing, acquiring them is another, so that's pretty impressive. I'd love to see him be able to finish this one out, so please, please, please keep an eye out for that. If you see it, at the very least, shoot me a message, and I'll make sure it gets passed on to him. Um, And likewise, with any rare Keith Van Horn stuff. Look, I told you guys when I started this thing, We are going to find the cards you're looking for. I've gotten some messages from past participants this week. 
Um, and by the way, I, you know, I also see that it's, it's listeners that are reaching out to them. So I love the way that this community is coming together and you guys are working together. Um, and it seems like we're making some progress. We're going to find the cards you're looking for and we're not going to stop now. All right. Before I move into today's main segment, I want to take a moment to remind you how you can support this show. As you guys know, there are costs that go into producing a podcast. One of my goals is to always keep the show itself free. As a result, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics. If you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com, click whatever store you need to go to, shop as planned, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Hi, this is Alan Siegel, the designer of the NBA logo, and now you're listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. Okay, so as I do from time to time, I went to a small show this weekend, and I posted a little about it on social media already. I picked up my fourth Irving rookie and uh, some McFarland figures. You can check that out on my YouTube channel if you'd like. Um, And all of these smaller shows that I go to, they're nice, but they've got me itching to go to a bigger show. And for the longest time, I'd assumed that was going to be the Atlantic City National in July. After all, I've been to the last two, and I had a blast at both of those. But the more I look at the logistics, the more I wonder if I should maybe choose something else. And that that's not an easy decision to make, um, because, you know, there's just nothing out there that will fully replicate the National. Um, that That is the card show to be at, right? And I've been there before. I've even talked about how great it is. I've encouraged people, hey, if you can get there, go, right? So I know if I don't go, I'm going to be missing out on a lot of stuff. But um, just getting to Atlantic City this year seems like it could be a major headache. For example, if I fly straight there, it's like 650 round trip. That's just the flight. Um, The other option would be what a lot of people are doing where I would fly into Philly for maybe half the cost and then take a train or an Uber for an hour into Atlantic City, provided I can find a room there, which is another issue. Um, And then it looks like, you know, highly unlikely that said room will be anywhere close to the convention. Um, Now, had I booked earlier, this would probably be a lot cheaper. I might not find myself in this situation. Um, But, you know, this is a time of of year that I've looked the last two nationals I went to and I didn't have any issues then. So, um, you know, that's kind of the same pattern that I followed here. So I guess live and learn. But Chicago certainly seems a lot more accommodating. It is what it is, though. And I'm left to make a decision now. So, You might have seen it this past weekend. I put up a post on social media asking people what other shows I should consider. And I'm going to run through some of the responses and and try to think out loud a little bit here because I figure some of you might be in the same situation and you might benefit from this exercise. So the first two responses were voice messages. I'm going to play those for you here first. Hey, this is Chad, Pack to the Future podcast, 57155, first time, long time. I agree with you this year about the National. Logistically getting there is a nightmare. So let's get you out of Florida. Come west to the Las Vegas Card Show, which is October 6th through the 8th. The venue is fantastic, just north of the Strip. There's free parking. Get in and out of there, no problem. 400 tables, I believe. And I have heard a rumor, tons of irrelevant Pacer player cards will be there. So that could be an appeal to you as well. Anyway, love to see you out here. Thanks for everything that you do. Well, uh, you guys know that I am enticed by irrelevant Pacers cards, which would be most of them. 
Uh, but before I make a decision based off of that, let's hear from our second voicemail, which comes from Greg. 727 Sports Cards, Greg here. I have to suggest that instead of going to the National, you hit two different shows. Two weeks before the National is the three-day Nashville show. And then the weekend following that is Raleigh. You and Mrs. Wax Museum can have a nice uh, vacation. Tennessee, North Carolina, mountains, nice weather. And um, I'm sure she'll love it. Well, I'm not sure if I'll end up at the two shows that Greg just mentioned there, but I have to say, I love the idea of hitting two shows instead of one. And for what it would cost to go to Atlantic City, I think I can swing two trips if I play my cards right. Um, And that wasn't a subliminal Vegas analogy. The the Vegas timing will not work for me. Uh, I'm trying to limit this to shows in June and July, so I don't have to take time off from work. So uh, sorry, Chad, I do appreciate the suggestion though. Also make sure check out Pack to the Future podcast if you haven't already. I've been on there a couple times. I enjoy hanging out with those guys. It's a lot of fun. Every Saturday, new episode Pack to the Future podcast. Um, okay, so here are some of the other responses I received on Instagram. Um, Big J Sports Card suggested Nashville and Hickory. Tatis Trader 2013 suggested the Del Mar show at the end of April. Sick B Ball Break suggested Dallas. And then a couple of people suggested the Burbank show in August. Uh, and I should point out, you know, I, I didn't specify on there that I was thinking about June and July specifically. So that rules out some of the responses already. I, I said summer. I'm thinking as a teacher that those are my two summer months. But I know summer actually is bigger than that. So I should have specified that's my fault. But um, there is one other summer show that I've been reading a little bit about that I'm going to mention here because I think it would work well for my situation. And that is the J&J All-Stars Midwest Monster Show in Fishers, Indiana. It's a 300-table show. And I've messaged a little bit with the promoter just to get a feel for, you know, what it could be like. Said there might be athlete appearances, which I know they've had ABA guys in the past, ABA Pacers players. They said there's a possibility of that, although there's nothing set in stone. But um, I know that doesn't appeal to everyone, but that's huge for me. So my thinking is, okay... In in narrowing down what show I'm going to, I'm going to limit this to regional shows, probably 200 tables or more. I want to hit at least one of the real big ones. And then the second one, you know, could be another big one, but could also just be a matter of convenience. With that being said, the list of possibilities that I'm aware of looks something like this. There's that Midwest monster show that I just mentioned in Indiana, 300 tables, takes place June 17th and June 18th. Um, now, it's too bad it's not a week later because then I could hit the Pacers draft night party at the Fieldhouse, too. Um, I should add there's a little home court advantage here because even though I don't live in Indiana, I have family there. So that, you know, I wouldn't have to pay for a hotel. So that um, is a big favorite, even though it's not one of the biggest shows. Next up, now nobody mentioned this one, but there is a Chantilly show uh, June 24th through June 26th. Uh, moving into July. We've got the Dallas Card Show. It's July 14th through 17th. That's roughly 600 tables. And then that same weekend is the Nashville Card Show, which I believe is 500 tables. And I know you heard from Carter recently on this show. He's been trying to get me to go to that one. I've been thinking about it quite a bit. But that's the same weekend as Dallas, so that's going to be tough. And then, of course, there's the National in Atlantic City from July 27th through July 31st. So looking at that list for the really big shows... The choices are Dallas, Nashville, and Atlantic City. And I've heard a lot about Dallas before. 
Uh, no, it's not quite on the level of the national, but it seems like it's the closest thing out of all of the options that are not the national. I also like that the hotel's directly connected to the convention center, which would have been nice the last couple times in Chicago, because quite frankly, sometimes you just need a break. Now, it's not all that close to the airport, but I think I'm going to run into that in just about every spot. Um, I, I mentioned that Carter's been trying to get me to come to Nashville. I figure that's going to be the cheaper of the three options. Um, and if I wanted to subject myself to the insane car ride, technically it's drivable, but I don't see myself doing that. Uh, number one, I hate driving. And then number two, the price of gas is just stupid right now. Um, I still want to go to that show, but right now I just can't pick it over one of the other ones. It's like a, a 13 seed battling a four in my mind where the upset could happen, but it's not likely. And that's not downplaying that show. It's just my personal circumstances and kind of my, you know, my situation. So no disrespect to that show at all when I call them a 13 seed. Um, so the more I worked on this little segment, the more I thought to myself, you know what? I need to make a decision this week. So that's what I did. I'm not going to keep you waiting any longer. You heard from Chad uh, of the Pact of the Future podcast earlier. I knew he had been struggling with the same predicament. So I hit up his inbox and I pitched the idea of my, my favorite choice of the three, which was Dallas. Because if I go, I'd like to go with somebody that I know. Um, you know, split the room, um, have somebody to, you know, have another pair of eyes in the show with me. It's always helpful to be there with somebody that you know. Um, so he did some thinking and maneuvering and ultimately figured, you know, figured out that it worked for him as well. Um, so sorry to those of you that wanted to meet up at the national, you know, we'll meet up somewhere along the line in the future, but I think I am officially Dallas bound. I'm, I'm working on planning that all that out for this week. I'm going to get everything booked. And then in addition to that, I decided that I could swing the cheap trip to Indiana, which would allow me to go to that J and J Midwest monster show. I could meet up with Steve, AKA vintage pacers. I could see some family, right? It all just seems like a no brainer to me. So there you have it. Like I said before, you know, it's a quick little exercise. I hope it helped some of you that were on the fence about the national. If the national works for you and you still want to go, by all means do so. But if it doesn't make a lot of sense to you, or maybe you have some better options, or maybe you can spread that experience out a little bit more, don't get so caught up in the stigma of, you know, everyone's going to the national. I have to go to the national. You have to do what works best for you. And in my case this year, it looks like Dallas and Indy works for me. And guess what? I am pumped about it. Okay. I'm not really bummed out about not going to the national because I'm excited about these two new shows that I've never been to and everything that will come with that. So maybe you're out there listening today and you've gone through a similar exercise of your own recently, or maybe in a past summer and you've got all your plans mapped out. Feel free to reach out to me on social media to let me know. You can find me on Instagram under the handle at wax museum podcast. Or you can find me on Twitter under at Wax Museum PC. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site, which is www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top. Click that and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. 
tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.